right, so here we are. This is my first interview, and I'm going to welcome David Edelman from Thrivable, Diabetes Daily, whatever. Welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Happy to be here with you. I didn't know I was the first interviewee. This is a great honor. Yes, it is. It's quite the honor. So uh, why don't you uh, give the people a little bit of your uh, legacy? How did you get here? You know, how did you get started? You know, give us your log cabin story. You got it. Grandpa fell in love in the garment district in New York in the 1950s and moved to Cleveland to be with the love of his life. And I was born on a cold February day, two generations later. Shortened version, I'm from uh, Northeast Ohio. I was a, I think of myself as a, a lifelong geek. I had a, a dial-up BBS uh, bulletin board system, you know, connect with the modems uh, when I was uh, 13 years old, running out of my bedroom. And it kind of stayed involved in technology through through school and some entrepreneurial endeavors. And then what brought me to the world of, of diabetes was I met a woman, Elizabeth, in my early 20s, just after she was diagnosed with diabetes. I remember going onto the internet and searching just for information to learn what is diabetes. You know, I didn't know what blood sugar was. I didn't know anything about pricking your finger. I didn't know anything about insulin. I was com- completely ignorant. And uh, but there wasn't a lot out there. You had WebMD, you can get medication side effects, but I was more like, you know, how do you, how much insulin do you take for sushi? And there wasn't a lot of information like that out there. So working with Elizabeth, we created a website called Diabetes Daily, just a place where people could sign up and, and share, share what they were learning. We could share what we were learning. And it became this wonderful opportunity just to connect with this very, very, you know, increasingly rich and diverse and interconnected community of people living with diabetes who are sharing their best practices, sharing support, just doing what they can to, you know, live the best life that you can with, as you know, a very challenging condition. So when you first began, okay, so how many years ago was that? That was 2005. That's 16 years ago. Okay. If you have to look at your, you know, the history here, we're now, you know, 2021, what's probably the three biggest changes that you've noticed over those what, 16 years? Right. There's a lot of, I guess, ways to approach that that question. I think for just my vantage point, the things that I have found interesting, you have this rise of social media, this democratization of access to information. And that's been a continuous thing, but it's been interesting. You know, it was these, at one point it was the the insiders, right? They're the, the people who are, you know, the, the kind of people are going to go onto forums and kind of these tight-knit little communities and we've seen increasingly, especially the last four or five years, how mass market social media has gone and that, you know, everybody's grandparents and, you know, grandchildren and, you know, whoever they are, people who aren't really, you know, maybe technically inclined, everybody is on the web and everybody are part of these. They might not be part of like a diabetes community, like Diabetes Daily, but people consume information on the web. So I think that has been one kind of incredible trend to be part of, to watch. In the diabetes world specifically, it's been absolutely fascinating to see the rise of consumer electronics, right? Diabetes started out as a medical condition that you would treat with a kind of a very uh, old, kind of old school pharma approach and then some kind of clunky devices. And then over time, it's, you know, you have designers who are coming from Apple, coming from Google, coming from Fitbit and companies like that that are coming into the diabetes space and making technology, making things that are really designed around the customer experience first and foremost, not the medical experience, but 
the the customer experience, right? What do I actually want? What am I going to use? What's going to be sticky for me? And uh, I, I think watching that unfold has been been absolutely remarkable, right? <laughs> I, I think when we first started chatting, you know, there were just we had a lot. I remember a lot of conversations complaining about the state of technology and the clunkiness and who's going to use something like this. But you know, over time, that stuff has been worked out, and we now have a lot of you know, we don't have a cure. We have a lot of really, really slick, easy to use devices that certainly make diabetes easier to manage. Would you say that based on your comments, have you noticed, you know, you have a, a lot of uh, patients on your site. I'm sure you also have what I like, you know, but I think you're, you know, aware of uh, Steve Edelman and TCOID and he talks about type threes, you know, people who are um, associated with somebody who has a condition. Have you noticed a change in the dialogue or the questions you're getting because of all of this change in technology? Uh, from from what perspective? Well, I mean, you know, like back when you started, okay, 2005, you know, CGM was kind of a drink, okay? Now today, you know, CGM is pretty much mainstream. Back in the day in 2005, there were insulin pumps, but there weren't even they weren't "quote unquote" smart pumps, and they were not hybrid closed loop systems. You know, we did not have the sophisticated insulin dosing algorithms we have today. So, I'd imagine those kind of things have changed the discussion. Yeah, I see, I see where you're getting at. It, it's interesting. I still think, I think the hard thing to appreciate is sometimes we get so deep in the weeds of, of diabetes, and I, I think it's something that our team works on a lot. But to be able to like pull ourselves back out to a beginner perspective, because I think so many people who come into the online community searching for information, they're coming from just a very low baseline of experience, right? They just don't think about diabetes that much. They haven't thought about it that much, certainly in the, especially in the type two space, right? It's like a lot of times you could ignore it until you start to get a complication or until you're, you know, am I going to go on insulin? And then all of a sudden you have these slew of questions that tend to be more general, more basic, uh, that are like just basic knowledge questions. And then you have a lot of this just like burnout, right? How do I just need support? I don't know what to do. There's just a lot of frustration, anger, anxiety, you know, those feelings can build up. And I think these communities can be a huge outlet for that. So I think there's a huge category of questions that have stayed the same, but there's definitely more interest than ever, I think, from the I don't know. It's it's uh it's it's hard to know because I think when we first started out, our community was so much smaller, and there were a lot of. I think there's been a, has been a continuous growth in this kind of type three population, the supporters, the caregivers, and as we've gotten bigger and more visible, we've attracted much larger audience of people living with type two diabetes. You end up with a lot of spouses, children, managing parents of diabetes. I think we serve less like the parents helping their children, right? I think. Uh, organizations like Children with Diabetes do an amazing job of connecting that group. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting question. I think there's been <laughs> we've had literally over a million conversations on diabetes daily. So you know, the scale of it now makes it harder to get a pulse at what is like typical versus not typical. I guess that's my hesitation. Speaking of your growth, can you can you share with everybody kind of like okay, you started out here and now you're you know you're in a different place, which has led you to this new company that you have Thrivable. So maybe you could talk about the growth of Diabetes Daily. Why? First of all, what is Thrivable? What does it do and how does it work? So along the way of, of creating 
Diabetes Daily, you know, we were in search of a, a, a business model because you can't, you know, spend 60 hours a week working on a hobby. <laughs> it has to pay the bills. And we had a growing team. So we, you know, started working with med tech, pharma companies, food brands, people who just wanted to advertise, right? They wanted to let people know about their products, services, whatever it is that they do. And in working with them, we discovered very quickly that there was a, this, a real hunger to know what patients were thinking about their products, right? Especially med tech companies, they want to build products that people want to use. And so we built Thrivable, this real-time market research platform, and this idea of saying, you know, today it's actually hard to get in touch with patients. There aren't a lot of databases of patients. You tend to have to go to market research agencies and, you know, pay $20,000 just to start up a conversation to do something. And if that's the case, you're not going to ask a lot of the questions that you have. If you have like a little question like, you know, what do you think of how these icons should be laid out in the home screen? Or what do you think of, you know, what are your priorities and how we lay out this app? Or what do we, you know, what do you think about how long should this um, cannula be for the insulin pump, right? Does it actually matter if it's 18 or 24 inches? Like, what's optimal for you? And how do we figure some of that stuff out? And so we built this real-time engine that basically combines a, a database of patients. We have about 35,000 now with over 100 data points on each one. So patients can sign up and, and get profiled. And then companies have on-demand access. If they want to do surveys, they want to do interviews, focus groups, usability studies, studies they can tap into that. And so we've been helping companies get this kind of real-time patient voice into their organization. So instead of market research be something you do quarterly or over six-month periods, get it more to the point where, hey, it's Monday, I have a question. And instead of just debating it around a, a boardroom, why don't we a conference table, why don't we go out and pull 100 people, 200 people, get a quick answer, and know what, what do patients actually think about this decision we need to make? Would you say that because of that, is it of your opinion that these companies are more responsive now to patients than they were, let's say, you know, when it first started? It's interesting. A lot of the companies we chat with, they're like, you know, it's just coming from on high. We need to be more responsive to the market. I think we're seeing right? It feels like the whole world's moving faster, like we feel it in our personal lives <laughs> with social media. I mean, COVID's certainly taken a wrecking ball to, to industries and causing dramatic change. So companies want to, I think there are people who recognize that the companies that are more tied around patient needs are the ones that are winning, right? And I'm sure, I mean, you've, you've seen this, like, what's your, I mean, what's your perspective on the, the diabetes tech space, right? Who are the companies that have been most patient-centric? in terms of designing their product, their marketing, their branding, how they engage with patients. And those are the companies that have seen, you know, outsized growth and success in the marketplace. And those that have been maybe more medically focused, slower iterations, innovation cycles are the ones that have kind of lagged behind and, and had a tougher time in the marketplace. And so I think, I think that's becoming pretty clear to everybody that it is competitive advantage to be able to be closer to your customers. It's almost silly to say that, like in any other space, like you're a startup, of course, or you're a big company, you just, the, the closer you are to the customer, the better you're going to do. It's like almost not worth mentioning out loud, but I, I don't think, I think the legacy of healthcare has not been that due to the difficulty of reaching, reaching patients and probably the regulation, regulatory environment that's that sits around healthcare. If you had to pick, let's say, maybe the top three complaints you, you hear from pa patients, what are they? Hmm. 
top three complaints we hear from patients. Other than, other than the fact that they have diabetes and they don't want diabetes. <laughs> diabetes sucks. Let's start there. Diabetes sucks, I think, is, is uh, uh, complaint number one. It's interesting. I feel like it tends not to be like around insulin or the medications. There, I mean, there are a lot of longstanding complaints, right? Metformin is an amazing medication. Some people have, you know, a, a serious bowel distress, right, with metformin. So like, that's a like perpetual issue. It's like metformin is a great drug, but that is just a side effect that a lot of people endure. And and but thankfully, right, there's a lot more alternatives in the space for medication and treatments. So if you have a good healthcare provider, you can probably get on something that has a better side effect profile for you personally. I think a lot of the complaints are more around the access to healthcare. I will say this from a US perspective, because it's like, there's so much of this, like people in the US complaining, uh, and then people from outside the US, because we're a global community, just like scratching their heads, perplexed at like, I don't ever have to think about getting medication. I don't ever have to think about, you know, getting access to insulin. I don't have to worry about the cost of a surgery or cost of this or cost of that. But I feel like, the people who are hurting the most are these people that are in the middle, right? You make enough money to not be able to get a good discount on the exchange, but not so much money that you have the free cash flow to cover a high deductible plan. And you end up with not great insurance and you end up in this area where healthcare is just this brutally attacking your budget, you know, crushing your spending power. And I feel like, you know, that's more than a complaint. Like in a lot of cases, it's just this cry for help. It's just this like, like, I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. I don't want to live in a state of like, what if I ended up in the hospital? Like, what's the impact on my finances going to be? Can I survive this? And I don't think that's most of the population, but I think it's the amount that's getting squeezed the hardest. And I think that's the the, the kind of pain we hear the loudest. On the flip side of that, do you, are you seeing patients more optimistic today than they were, let's say, 10 years ago? You know, let's let's take away the, uh, you know, the socioeconomic factors, which, as you correctly point out, are, you know, obviously a, a huge deal. But, you know, we've also seen major advancements in technology, some great new drugs. Do you sense there's a cause for optimism out there? Yeah, I think that's actually more genuine. I remember thinking maybe around 2010, looking back at kind of a retrospect of the the last decade or 2008, 2009, and talking to people and I was talking to someone and this just stuck with me. They're like, you know what? There have been no advances in, in diabetes in the, since I was diagnosed 10 years ago. And I was thinking, hey, you know, there wasn't long acting insulin. <laughs> there wasn't a CGM, right? You know, insulin pumps were not common or, you know, really accessible. And like over that 10 year period, there had been like such an incredible explosion of technology, but it was still kind of a, it didn't necessarily, you didn't feel it, right? It was possible to look out and say that. But I think things have progressed so much in the, if you look at this 20 year period, right? Clearly the quality of tools and information. And well, it's interesting, right? Because these tools, we're, we're in the middle of a cycle, right? You start out with these tools and the tools add more steps. And you get more information, which adds more steps and more cognitive overload and more headaches. And I think now, and that's where this kind of customer centrism comes in, where you start to say, all right, we have all this stuff, but there's a lot of like stress and frustration. Like people don't want to, and I know you've spoke about this a lot. People don't want to think about diabetes. They don't want to have to add another step. They don't want to have to do something extra. So as we continue the cycle of innovation, how do you kind of go from simple things got complex and how do you bring them back to simplicity? I think it's like a famous Steve Jobs quote, right? Like 
you know, you, you keep going until you craft the perfect solution and then you keep going until you make it simple. And that keep going until you make it simple is the real genius. And I think that's the genius we're starting to see with companies. And I think with the automated insulin algorithms, insulin dosing algorithms, uh, form factors that are starting to become more, you know, one day, you know, text conversation will come out with a Band-Aid, you know, CGM sensor, right? And, and that kind of stuff will be transformative. You know, get rid of site changes as a headache, get rid of having to look at hundreds of numbers every day and have the device just use that information to make the decisions for you. You know, I'm, I'm curious with your large database and, you know, your the good work that you do, if you've, you know, delved into the whole area of, you know, digital health, diabetes management via, you know, FaceTime or, you know, Zoom or whatever, and what you're patients are telling you about that? That I have less experience in. I have, I have, I have personal experience, right? In COVID, I, I had a baby, nine months old now, a uh, little baby Kate, but we had all of our healthcare appointments virtually, right? And we used a, a little Doppler to, right, to, to look at the fetal heartbeat that we brought home. So we had our own tools from the doctor and we didn't go in, right? We went in like occasionally. And that was how we monitored the health of this baby. And that to me is like, on a personal level, I was just struck. I'm like, huh, like we can be our own doctors at home, right? Just tell us where to, where to put the little thing unless you need to be cut, poked or prodded, right? There's actually a shocking amount you can do on your own. So, and I, I imagine anyone, you know, listening uh, who's touched the healthcare system in the last year has seen this change, right? Like virtual appointments went from, kind of, yeah, slowly, maybe it'll be, you know, part of what we're doing to like, you can almost imagine like the whole front line of medicine being virtual, only going in person for things that actually need to be in person. Well, based on, based on what you know of your patients or follow, what do you, do you call them patients, followers, customers? What do you call them? <laughs> uh, you know, it's in our community, Diabetes Daily, it's people. And uh, in the thrival world with uh, research, you know, our pa patient panelists, our panelists. So... With these people, you know, they're, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's got an opinion on how this works or doesn't work. I'm curious if, do they sometimes come to you and say, hey, you know, David, I've, I've got this great idea. You might want to ask companies about this. Ha has that happened with you? So, I mean, the people we've worked with have, have typically been on this kind of gaining insights. We booked work over the last year as we kind of were building out our system, work with a bunch of startups, actually. They were willing to, you know, uh, work with us as we built out the feature set that we need. And these are people that were super early in the market, right? Or haven't gotten a product yet. They're out seeking funding and they have a great idea. And it's time to go out and validate that idea with customers and make the case that what they need to build is right. Or they have an early product and they just need to figure out how to like iterate it really, really quickly. And then, you know, now as we've kind of grown up and working with you know, most of the top, you know, diabetes med tech companies, you know, they're using us for this very much the whole suite of things from like early broadly looking at what is the marketplace look like. We're thinking about bringing a new product to, okay, what features do we need to have in our products to, you know, persona development, pricing decisions, like, will somebody pay to upgrade this? If we, you know, do we need to release our product with feature X? because it's running behind. If, if we don't have feature X, well, people, should we hold off our product launch to have it? Or is it okay to add it later to the mix? You know, how will people react? You know, all the way to advertising messaging, like how do we actually communicate with people in a way that people, you know, even checking brochures and flyers, right? 
like if someone reads this flyer on how to use our product, can they understand it without being walked through it personally? And so I don't think I actually quite answer your question, but that's kind of the mix of the stuff that we're doing. Well, that's all right. When you look ahead and you see, you know, you start to figure, okay, you started out with, you know, a patient community, you've expanded that into basically market research. What do you see as like the next iteration as this evolves? Do you do envision yourself to get into the, you know, patient training area? Do you see yourself, you know, where do you see yourself going? That is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. There's this exercise that you basically treat yourself like a toddler and ask yourself why, 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 why? Like, oh, we have a platform for connecting, you know, companies and patients. Why? Well, so they can create better products and services. Why? And you kind of keep going down so you get to your your basic. And for me, like it came down to this idea of co-creation. And when I got to this word, it just like hit me so hard and resonated. It's like this theme that, you know, the co-creation of knowledge, the co-creation of progress, this like idea of community towards a purpose. And it, like, it even takes me back to, I like being a camp counselor. <laughs> like I liked little communities. I like being a swim teacher. I liked, you know, I always had that side to me. Diabetes Daily was around bringing patients together to figure out how to do things better. This community was around, yeah, a thrivable community is really around how do you connect patients and companies and other solution makers so that they can create a better future together. And so I think I think where the future and my interest lies for me is just to continue on that journey. How do we create communities that lead to progress? And I think there are a lot of opportunities to do that, uh, especially in healthcare, right? It's because the need is so high and, and you know, the demand for that type of improvement is so high. I think about it broader outside of healthcare. Like it's, but I think healthcare is the right spot to be for now. And uh, there's <laughs> plenty of fish to fry in, uh, in this ocean. I don't want to fry the fish in the ocean. I like the fish. That's okay. That's okay. Let's kind of close this out with a couple of key thoughts. You know, you've been around the business a long time. You've seen a lot of innovation. You know, we've talked about some of it today. If you had to pick your perfect scenario for, let's say, the next five years, let's just look five years out. And let's talk about what you do specifically, not in the level of the drugs or devices, but what do you see happening with this kind of, you know, there's been this explosion of information, you know, as you correctly pointed out, you know, children with diabetes was probably the first website, you know, that I ever came across that was just outstanding. And then all of a sudden we had a plethora of options. You know, you came along with a great idea. You built a great community yet here we are and billions of dollars has been spent. And yet we're still seeing the same statistic over and over. You know, two-thirds of the patients aren't under control. Do you see that changing over the next five years? Five years, I struggle with seeing major progress. But if you give us 25 years, I see really major progress. And I, I've kind of always thought about this on two angles, right? Drugs, hard to predict, right? Like, you never know when you're going to have a true breakthrough, you know, whether it's going to be you know, um, you know, insulin that only functions in the presence of high blood sugar, right? Or uh, so it doesn't cause low blood sugar or, you know, the, the diasome guys with the hepatocyte receptors, you know, getting insulin to the liver or like who knows what interesting kind of like molecule changes will happen. And it's because those things tend to be binary, right? They either work or they don't. And it's hard to know when those things will hit. But I have a lot of faith on the engineering side that 
every year you can make things cheaper. Every year you can make things faster. Every year you can make things easier to use. And so I think that on the engineering side, if we get enough cycles of inter, inter, uh, of innovation, we will get to ba- both a internal artificial pancreas, right? So you can implant that, that, that manages the insulin production for you with, with blood sugars. And I'm confident that we will also get to the external version of that that's cost-effective enough to be used in you know both type one and type two populations. So I don't know how long it will take to get there, but I am a firm believer that we will get there and that it will be transformative. I think it's gonna be just kind of very slow, but like continuous innovation to get there. So I think, you know, I think we're seeing positive impacts from this automated insulin delivery systems. And, but if CGM technology can get a little, continue to get stronger, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, I mean, how much more accurate is CGM today than it was 10 years ago? Yeah, very much so. And if we go, and so now it's not so much that it needs to get way, way more accurate, but it probably needs to get smaller and cheaper. And, you know, something that is like wearing a Band-Aid that can talk to your insulin delivery system. But even insulin delivery systems are kind of, you still have like occlusions and, you know, the alarms go off and it stops working and you're sleeping and, you, you know, it's like, I don't know what it will take to fix and simplify that piece of the puzzle. Although we have seen like little innovations and reductions in occlusions from better insertion set technology, but I don't think that's like a major area of investment. Well, this has been, you know, David, this has been great. I really, I'm glad you're my first guest. We've known each other for a long time. So uh, tell people how they can get in touch with you, you know, give them all the, this is your chance to toot your own horn. You got it. You can uh, visit thriveable.app, T-H-R-I-V-A-B-L-E, thriveable.app. Email me, david at thriveable.app or david at diabetesdaily.com. All goes to the same spot. You know, visit Diabetes Daily, spread the word. I know the people that, you know, engage with you, listen to you are people who are, you know, typically in industries, they're in the markets and just... The, the impact that your audience has on the lives of people living with health conditions is tremendous. And, you know, I have a lot of gratitude for, I know industry, any industry can get a bad rap, but there are a lot of good people working really, really hard for, you know, good reasons to make the world better. Try to make a profit doing it, but, you know, improve the world. And uh, thank you. Thank you for that. I, it's, it's means a lot to me. You're welcome. Great. Thanks, David. You got it.